Welcome to Talking to Town. I am your host, Tariq Richardson, a.k.a. Reed. And I decided to do a very, very special episode, right? So in honor of Black History Month. And I decided to highlight some of the best Black athletes that ever come from the Black community that has made an impact both on and off the sports world, right? And the athlete I started to get started off with is a guy to go by the name of Fritz Pollard. And he's a guy that doesn't get talked about that much for the most part. But I will explain a lot about him. But that being said, let's get into it. Real name, Franklin Douglas Fritz Pollard. He was born on January 27, 1894 in Rogers Park, Illinois, which was a white suburb of Chicago at that time. He did grow up to the seven of eight children. And a very interesting fact about him is that his dad used was a world champion boxer and was also a barber for the during the civil war so his dad had history in his sports and was also served in the civil war as well he was the barber there as well and during that time he had to experience a lot of racism first-handed and he had to quickly learn from both his mother and dad that he had to learn how to pick his battles and subdue his emotions in order to achieve stuff in the world they was at at that time for the most part. The high school he ended up going to was Lane Tech High School in Chicago, in which he was a three-sport athlete. He played football, he played baseball, and he also ran the track team, dominating all three events as well, in which he was really good for the most part. Originally, he wanted to go to Dartmouth University to follow his older brother, but however, stuff, certain things end up happening in which he ended up going to Brown University for t two seasons. And despite the fact he was at Brown University for a short amount of time, he actually managed to accomplish a whole lot of stuff for the most part. In 1915, he ended up leading Brown University to the Rose Bowl versus Washington State, becoming the first African-American male to play in the Rose Bowl. Also, he also broke records in the hurdles on the Brown track team, qualifying for the Olympic team during that process, which just goes to show he was just an incredible athlete for that time. Also, in 1916, he ended up leading Brown University to 8-1 with 12 touchdowns, in which they ended up beating two powerhouses in football at that time, let alone Ivy powerhouses. He ended up beating both Yale and also he ended up beating Howard. I mean, Harvard, my bad, in which, remember, at that time, they were both just absolutely ridiculous in football. They were really good back then, you know, and they were really good. They ended up doing their thing, and after that, Pollard, he ended up having to deal with a whole lot of stuff in the NFL, right? He ended up going to the NFL in 1920, but prior to that, he ended up serving his country in World War One. And even during his time in the military while serving, he ended up becoming a coach at Lincoln University, which was an HBCU near Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And in 1920, he ended up joining as an he ended up joining the Akron Pros as a player. He ended up playing running back. He ended up playing special teams. And he was one of only two black athletes to be in the NFL at that time. The other guy was Bobby Mitchell. They were the only two during that time. In which, during that time, he had to go through a whole lot of racial stuff. He was being treated way different compared to his white counterparts. And he was actually a star in the beginning. And a lot of things going well. 
in the beginning for the most part. In 1920, they actually won the NFL championship, which was essentially the Super Bowl. But back then, it really wasn't called that as the NFL was still in its development stages, just like him joined the Akron Pros. It was still more of development, in which he ended up actually making his first and only first team All-Pro in 1920, as well as becoming an NFL champion that year, going undefeated. And when you look at it, right, he ended up playing eight seasons there until 1926. But during that time, he ended up doing a lot of things as well. He ended up making a lot of friends. His players respect the hell out of him. But then there was the typical people that just were hating on him because he was a black man playing in the NFL. Not only from opposing coaches, opposing players, but also fans. I mean, it got so bad to the point in which you had some of the fans, every time he took the field, the opposing crowd would always say bye-bye Blackbird, which along with many other racial stuff was just absolutely horrible. But Fitz, despite all that, he never got mad at them. He wanted to fight them, but he just looked at them, grinned, and then after that, he just completely destroyed the team on the football field. And that's what his teammates respected the hell out of him. His mentality. He was strong in the head. He didn't let nobody break him mentally for the most part. He was very hard to do that. But he was just simply that guy. I mean, hell, even you had guys like Jim Thorpe, who is a legend in his own right, was also saying some racial stuff about him as well. And he had to go through a whole lot of things. In 1921, he ended up becoming the first African-American head coach in NFL history, coaching the Akron Pros, being the first player coach, the first black man to become player coach. So he was a coach at that time, which was kind of dope. I'm not going to lie. It is pretty dope, you know? And also a year after that, in 1922, he ended up founding the F.D. Pollard and Coach Investment Firm, and the main purpose was to help his own black, the black community for the most part, which was one of the first black owned investment firms during that time, which was very special for the most part. And that a black that he was making an impact both on and off the field as well. He was doing his thing. So you got to give him a lot of respect for that, you know. But Fitz Pollard, he ended up playing up until 1926, as I mentioned. He broke a lot of barriers. He did damn near everything for the most part. And he did a lot for the most part. And trust me, we're going to get even more into this, right? We're going to really get into more details on him. He was a very big attraction to NFL. Him along with Jim Thorpe, which is much see to watch in person. Because back then, televisions weren't that accessible. So you had to go in in person to see them. Or you had to listen to them on the radio, right? But despite all of that, right? You would think he would get respect. But no, he did not for the most part. In fact, there are points in which he even had to just get dressed inside his own car. And granted, he was one of the highest paid players in the league. And a lot of and also at the fact he was a star as well. So a star like him had to go dress in his own car and out of the locker room. That's just absolutely absurd. And that just goes to show you how fucked up it was back then, you know? But also he made history during that same time. In 1923, he ended up becoming the first black quarterback in NFL history to play quarterback in the NFL. He was the first black quarterback to play in the NFL, in which he ended up playing for the Hamlin Pros, in which he was using a variety of ways. Quarterback, running back, special teams, he damn well did everything you wanted for the most part, you know? In which 
He ended up playing up until 1925. He ended up playing until then. And then by 1926, he was no longer in the NFL. However, he did not let that deteriorate him for the most part. Now, it is widely speculated that the NFL just basically got a lot of black players during that time. They got rid of Fritz. They got rid of a lot of black players. And they basically blackballed them for the next two decades up until the 40s, which we're going to get more details on that later on. But despite that, he didn't let him deteriorate that. He did not. In 1928, he ended up forming an all-African-American football team along with a league. And it was in Chicago. It was called the Chicago Blackhawks in 1928. And it, the main purpose, it was to show owners that, hey, let us back in the league. Because us black people, we could play for the most part. That was one of the main purposes. And he even took it upon himself to help other black players who was in his position, who are trying to play in the NFL, to get back into the league for the most part. That's what there was made purpose. And I forgot to mention, right? One, Also, another big moment during his NFL career is that while he was the co-coach for the Milwaukee Badgers, he actually managed to beat Jim Thorpe and his team for the most part, 13 and up. It was him and Paul Robeson. I forgot to mention that as well, but those were two of the biggest moments for the most part, you know? Forgot to mention that. That's my fault. Not gonna lie. That is my fault for not mentioning that story. But he ended up doing that and it promoted a lot of stuff for his team to hire, you know, to essentially force the owners to hire young black people and NFL vets to come back into the league. And even as the years went on, right, he ended up doing even more stuff. In nineteen in nineteen thirty-five, he founded the first ever black tap tabloid, the first ever black newspaper. It was called the New England um I'm at the New York Independent. That's my fault for pronouncing that wrong. While also at the same time, he even coached a team called the Black Bombers that was based in Harlem. And you had Paul Robeson and Jackie Robinson's older brother. And that team was just absolutely ridiculous for the most part. They never lost one game in their entire tenure for the most part. They were being some of these NFL teams. And it was so bad that they literally start complaining. A lot of these white-owned teams start complaining. Despite all the success they had, right? They even went 29-0 in that, right? They never lost. You had these owners and these people that ran the NFL at that time. They just refused to give them a shot. They did not want or any black people in the NFL for the most part. But unfortunately, their league got destroyed because of the Great Depression, which was just completely out of their control for the most part, which absolutely sucked, you know? It just really did. And they disbanded during that time. In which, as his later life goes on, there's not that... Well, there is stuff there as well. Even, as I mentioned, he did found his own newspaper in New York City. He also even became, he also as well managed some, a movie theater in Harlem and became an agent in Hollywood as well. He ended up booking a lot of black talent in white clubs in New York, tax consultant. He ended up doing a lot of stuff outside of football as well, despite the fact that he was basically blackballed because of the color of his skin, which is really fucked up if you look at it for the most part. But... Later on, it, but later on, unfortunately, he ended up passing away on, he ended up dying in 1982 at 92 years old, in which he ended up dying in Maryland that year in 1986, and it was absolutely horrible, you know, he ended up dying from old age, 
And years, and I mean years after he ended up retiring, he was into the Hall of Fame in 2005, which my issue was why it wasn't in right off the bat in the 60s for the most part. But that's a different discussion after a different day. But yeah, that's the story of Fritz Pollard for the most part. Fritz Pollard was a guy that gave back to the black community. And he was way, way ahead of his time. It's unknown of how good was he really because of the fact that a lot of the stats back then, it wasn't that much known back then. And also, it didn't add the fact that they didn't like black people in the NFL back then during that time. So that also didn't help as well. But Fritz Pollard, he definitely did a lot. It just impact to me. For black people in all professional sports, especially in the NFL, is that he allowed these future black NFL players to come into the league. Because in 1946, the NFL, they allowed black players to play in the league. They kind of reopened that idea. So that's why you have players like Kenny Washington, Woody Stroll, Marilyn Montley, Bill Wills, those guys. They ended up going to the NFL and did a lot of really good stuff for the most part and set the trend. So when people mention the guys that set the trend for the NFL, for black people to play in the NFL, they mentioned the four, as I mentioned. But Fritz Poehler's name is really getting mentioned. And as the years go on and on, his name doesn't get mentioned that much. You know, like it don't get mentioned. But he is a legend to me. He is a legend, in my opinion, and he gave back to the black community. And we just can't let guys like that just go unheard of for the most part. Because if it wasn't for him, then black people right now in the NFL would not be playing right now. Also, a fun fact is that his son, Fritz Pollard Jr., was actually a really good hurdler for the most part. He actually won a bronze medal in the one-turn hurdles in the 1936 Olympics, so he did have some G's as well. And also, I didn't like out of fact that, that um, Fritz Paul was later on inducted to the Hall of Fame in 2005, when it should have been years earlier before his death. But unfortunately, he just never witnessed himself get into the Hall of Fame for the most part because he ended up passing away. But with that being said, that is Taller the Town here. I'm your host, Street Richardson, and I will see you on the next episode on highlighting black athletes throughout history. But that being said, I will see you at the next one.